All right. Good morning, Vineyard family. Uh, we're going to get into worship this morning. We're going to do a couple songs at the beginning of service and then a couple songs at the end. And um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us here together today. We thank you that we get to be together this morning. I pray for joy in our hearts, Father God. I pray that you fill us all with a spirit of peace and hope and joy. And help the sun to seem a little brighter for us today. Help the sky to seem a little bluer and everything just to seem a little bit more in color. Just through hope, Lord Jesus. And we pray that you meet us here today. If you guys could please stand, that'd be great. Thank you. You. you are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are here moving in the midst. I worship you. I worship you. Darkness, my God, that is who you 
even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working.
Oh 
Thank you, Father, for meeting us where we're at. As we hear the message this morning, open our ears and open our hearts so that we can draw closer and closer to you. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Before we get started, I just wanted to share, uh, I feel like God was reminding me as we were singing this song that as much as we like to, uh, I feel like in our society, try and bring things or show things or do things to show how much we love and appreciate one another. Um, you know, I struggled in a time in my life where I didn't feel worthy for Christ's love, and it was hard for me to accept uh, the sacrifice that he made on the cross for us. And um, I just feel like God was saying that all he wants is you, like, just show up, you know. Um, we are so precious to him, each of us. He created each person with, a, with gifts and talents and uniqueness, and there is no other person like you. You are one of a kind. And, uh, and so he delights in just us showing up. There we go. All right, good morning, guys. <laughs> yeah, ta tag team. Go team. I'm going to take a quick drink of water. Um, I'm thankful this Sunday morning that we um, have moved into a new phase. And so that means that we can switch a few things out including me preaching without having to wear my mask this morning. We were able to have drums and a band this morning, and it um, is good stuff. So, okay, I think I'm adjusted. I'm going to pray real quick so we can kind of refocus and get started with the message. Father God, Lord, would you speak to us this morning, Jesus? Holy Spirit, would you move in us and through us? Holy Spirit, we surrender to you this morning. Lord, I pray that our ears would be open, our hearts would be tender towards what you have for us, God. Lord, that we would be able to feel and sense and know that you are with us, and that you are here, God. Lord, I, in the midst of worship, Lord, I just, I sensed you. Um, Lord, I felt you, I felt your presence. Lord, I ask that as we dig into the word, as we um, hear what you have for us this morning, God, Lord, I just pray that uh, we would continue to move forward with just a, an open heart to you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we're starting off with uh, one of my favorite animated series of all times, Avatar The Last Airbender, if you've never seen it. 
I'm sorry for you. Your life is diminished. Um, this is my favorite character, Uncle Iroh, speaking to Katara. And he's saying this to her. He says, if you look for the light, you will often find it. But if you look for the dark, that is all you will ever see. And I just, I felt like it was really, like, when, he, when I was watching it and I first heard that, it like, that hit me. That hit me really hard. I was like, because there's just, there's a lot of truth in that. And it, it mirrors what we know in Scripture about us being called to be light in the darkness. And where Scripture talks about those who dwell in the darkness. And if all you're ever seeing and all you're ever looking for is the negative and the hurt and the dark and the pain, you don't see the light. And Jesus is the light. Jesus is the way. And Jesus can guide us out of that. And that's, that's our hope. And I'm starting with this for a reason. Um, I felt like God spoke to me this week. And I wanted to share it with all of you. This is the day the Lord has made, says Psalm 118. It's like, really, God, this day? This day? The one with wars and division and poverty and divorce and addiction and sickness and betrayal? This is the day that you have made? This one? God says, yeah. This day. This is the day that he has made. It goes on to say, the psalmist, David, rejoice and be glad in it. Now, David wasn't a stranger to trouble. He was literally hunted by King Saul for decades. He was living in caves. He never knew safety during those times. And he's the same guy who said, this is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. So even with all the things that are going on in the world, this is the day that the Lord has made. Look for the light. God, and this is what I felt like God was speaking to me to share with our church body. Uh, it was like Monday or something, God started sharing this with me. And so I started kind of writing it down, and I kind of tweaked it a little bit as the week went on. But I felt like this was a word from God. I felt like this was a word from the Lord that God wanted me to share with our church and for our church. God has called you into this time and this land in this season. Unless you're dead, you're still in play. Unless you are dead, you are still in play. It'll look different going forward than anything you've known before. Hiding from our current culture, from our current environment, or living in the past will not advance the good news or help establish God's kingdom for today. This day, the one the Lord has made. Hanging out in our little circles, of like-minded followers of Jesus will not advance God's kingdom. God wants his people to be engaged in the world now, today, 
as it is currently. There's this maelstrom of injustice and pain in our nation. And I felt like God was asking this. He's asking it of me, and I'm asking it of you. Are you working on healing and following the path of Jesus, or are you just adding to the noise and the discontent that is in our society today? You have a choice. Which do you choose? Scripture tells us that those who do not love are not part of God and do not know God. Are you sowing the seeds of love? He makes a pause to those around you. This is the challenge that I heard from God today, which was last Monday when I wrote it. Um, This is the challenge that I heard from God today, and I'm sharing with my fellow followers of the way of Jesus. Be engaged. Be active. Be like Jesus. Work And I'm using, I felt like God was using this word intentionally because for some of us, me included, this will be work. Work to understand the culture and the thoughts of those who God has put around you because he has placed you into their lives. They are part of you and you are part of them. And God puts you together. And so it's your job to figure out how to share the good news that is the gospel that is Jesus Christ with them. Be present. Be present where you have been placed. And finally, be God's love to the world that is in so desperate need of it. And that's the challenge that I felt like the Lord spoke to me and that I was to speak to all of you this morning Don't hide, don't run, don't bury your head, don't be in fear, don't worry, be present, be engaged, be God's voice and God's love to the world, because God needs you. He chose to work his will through those of us who follow him. The very last thing he did before he ascended to heaven was this thing called the Great Commission, where he tells us to go out into all the world and tell them about the good news that was the life of Jesus Christ. And that hasn't changed. That's still our job. That's still our commission. I'm going to read a passage from Acts 17. 24 through 27, that goes along with this. It says this, The true God is the creator of all things. He is the owner and Lord of the heavenly realm and the earthly realm. And he doesn't live in mansions or temples. God is not confined by the four walls of Vineyard Christian Fellowship. He supplies life and breath and all things to every living being. He doesn't lack a thing that we mortals could supply for him. For he has all things and everything that he needs. God doesn't need us. He wants us. That's big. God doesn't need us. He chooses us. 
From one man, Adam, he made every man and woman, and every race of humanity, and he spread us all over the earth, and he sets the boundaries, the place of peoples and nations, determining their appointed time in history. The scripture says that God placed you here in Yakima County or wherever you happen to be listening to online. And in this time in 2021, and in this place, God has placed you here so that you can be his voice to the world. He has done this, it continues on in 27, so that every person would long for God, feel their way to him, and find him. For he is a God who is easy to discover. It is through him that we live and function and have our identity. Just as your own poets have said, our lineage comes from him. We've talked in the last few weeks how about when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we become co-heirs. We become brothers and sisters of Christ. And that's what Peter's referencing here in the chapter of Acts. But God has placed you in this time, in this place, in this season for a reason and a purpose. And you can have a choice. You can choose to ignore that. Or you can choose to, as I said before, be present and be engaged. That's your choice. And that's what I felt like the Lord was speaking to me this week. So it's a, it's a tangent from the scriptures that we're, we're following, but I, I was pretty strong for me this week, and so I did a little diversion. Um, so now we're going to continue on in John 18, 15 through 17, as we're working our way through the Gospel of John. Starting off, our focus, as it should be every day, is on Jesus. Jesus is the way. He's the way for us to follow. It's not just enough to worship God. We're called to emulate the lifestyle of Jesus, to be the people of the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is literally all truth. He's the primary revelation of God's character to the world. And Jesus is the life. Through Jesus, he gives us life both now and forevermore. My hope, my prayer for this church, for this body of believers, is that we always keep our focus on Jesus. It's not about any one woman or one man. It's not about any one person. It's not even about the four walls that is this church. It's about Jesus. And Jesus should always be our focus and our guide. If you ever are following anybody or listening to anybody or or whether it be a prophet or an apostle or a pastor or a teacher, and they keep putting their focus on themselves rather than Jesus, here's my encouragement to you. Run away as fast as you possibly can. Because it's gonna die. It's gonna fail. We've seen it over and over again, right? I was around during the 80s when we had the whole you know, church fallout thing with Swaggered and Baker and all these other guys. And then most recently, within the last few months, right, with these other, you know, Hillsong and some other stuff. And like, whenever it becomes about some dude or some chick or some person, and like the focus is on that individual and their 
charismatic individuality, whenever that becomes the focus, God will always end up destroying it. Because he tells us that he doesn't want anyone to be worshipped except for him. So as I said, as we're talking about who Jesus is, my hope and my prayer is that we always keep our eyes on Jesus. Because in our story that we're listening to today with Peter, out of fear, Peter took his eyes off Jesus. He took his eyes off the goal. And he missed. He missed it. John 18, 15 through 17 says this. Simon Peter and another disciple, the biblical scholars think it was John, not 100% sure. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside the door. Poor Peter. He didn't have access. Um, This other disciple, as we're talking about this in Scripture, this was somebody who was more than just a passing acquaintance. See, Peter had to stay outside because he wasn't as well known to the high priest. But this other disciple was actually to go in where Ananias was in the process of bringing charges against Jesus. And so this other disciple was able to go in with him. But Peter had to wait outside because he was just a casual acquaintance, unlike the who they believe is John, not 100% sure. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, continuing on, and spoke to the servant girl on duty there and brought Peter in. She asked him, you aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. Peter replied, I am not. I am not. When asked if he's a follower of Jesus, Peter, also known as the rock, the person whom Jesus said he was going to build his church, replied, I am not. This girl's question implied a negative answer. And so Peter capitalized on that, right? You aren't, so she already started with a negative, right? She was, she was assuming that he wasn't one of them. And so he's like, hey, here's my out. I don't have to be like tagged with, because they're in the process of punishing Jesus and judging Jesus, and I don't have to get a, be a part of that, so I can just kind of, you know, say that it's not me. I am not. The other gospels seem to indicate that the other denials, because Jesus said he would deny him three times, followed immediately, but it's likely that there were intervals where other things happened that were not recorded. Scripture is not always just... And as you read multiple Gospels about the same accounts, you kind of get a little bit... That's why I encourage everybody, read read all the Gospels. Get a feel for... Because each person, if I asked four of you what this bottle looked like, I might get some similarities, but there would also be some differences in your account. Because some people would notice things that other people wouldn't. And there's people like me who I'm very macro, and I'd be like, it's a bottle of water. Other people would be like, well, it's blue. It said this on it. It was three quarters full. Like, and that's not me. Um, so if you, you know, that's why as you read the Gospels, you kind of get a little bit different feel for what happened in the story of Jesus. 
He replied, I am not. This next verse kind of helps explain why he would have said this. Because it seems to kind of come out of the blue. It's like, Peter denying Jesus. Isn't he the guy that in the garden just grabbed a sword and tried to lop off some guy's head because he was going to take Jesus? And now, right afterwards, he's denying him? Like, is Peter bipolar? You know, what, like, what, what's going on with him? This next verse kind of helps explain it a little bit. And I had a question. Have you ever acted badly because you had a fear response? I have. <laughs> I've acted badly out of fear. Whether it's fear of a person, or fear of a situation, or fear of getting caught. Which I'll talk about a little bit more later, but have you ever had a bad reaction because of a fear response? And I believe that's what Peter was having happen here. Continuing on in 18, it was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire that they had made to keep warm. Peter was also standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Presumably, these servants and temple police that are referenced were the same ones who were involved in Jesus' arrest in the garden that happened just previously, but had not yet been dismissed. Because they had to escort Jesus to the house of the high priest, Ananias, so that he could be tried under Jewish law. So Peter was standing there, warming his hands with the same people who Jesus had come to take away for being an insurrectionist. Can you imagine how scared he was? Like he's surrounded by these police and these servants of the priests who came to take Jesus. He's warming his hands probably shoulder to shoulder with people who had seen him in the garden. But he was like trying to, you know, be incognito to keep low. Imagine his fear. Continuing on in 19 and 20. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I've spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I've always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all of the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what was said. This high priest is accusing Jesus of insurrection and, and trying to like take away power. And Jesus is like, I haven't been sneaking around anywhere. <laughs> like I stood in the middle of your temple and spoke these words. But here's why he said that. When the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching, he said, ask those who have heard. Jesus' response in telling them to question those who heard him, including these same priests who were questioning him because they were there, as we know in Scripture, he's drawing attention away from the disciples by not naming them. I think he was trying to protect his people from the punishment that he knew was going to be visited on him. Isn't it just like Jesus to try to protect us and try to look out for us? To me, this just kind of shows Jesus' character. At least that's what hit me as I was reading this scripture. Continuing on to 22 through 24. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Okay, I want to press pause. 
Can you imagine one day after this official died and is standing before God? <laughs> it's like, explicative. I didn't realize that was, you were actually God. <laughs> like, like, and he slapped Jesus in the face. And now you're literally standing before someone who with a thought could disassemble your atoms. <laughs> Talk about fear. <laughs> Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why are you striking me? Then Ananias sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. So despite the legal prohibitions and observant officials, political and social power, so what was happening in that circumstance, allowed many abuses of power. Roman courts favored the powerful. And soldiers could make abusive demands from local populations. It's where, you know, when um, Scripture's talking about where Jesus says, if someone asks you for his coat, don't just give him your coat, but your shirt also. Roman officials were able to just, of subjected populations, of the people who they had under their thumb, Roman officials and soldiers were able to make demands of the common people for the greater good of the empire, for the greater good of Rome. However, under Jewish law, striking a captive was against that. It was against the Talmud. It was against Jewish law. But this act, which went unanswered by the officials, shows how abusive and uninterested in any form of Jewish legality Ananias was. His interest in this case is political not legal. The action here is abuse. Even those in authority who struck soldiers might afterwards be disciplined unless they could justify it under Roman law. Striking a captive under Jewish law was unheard of. And yet, Ananias is like, well, you know, he doesn't care that it's against the law. And it kind of, it, it makes you wonder what the purpose of the Pharisees was here. They, you know, have you guys ever seen where somebody under the auspices of following the law and being the law, where people, where they like break the law themselves by saying that they need to follow the law? And that's what's happening here. They broke Jewish law. So does might equal right? Not in God's kingdom. Not in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Just because you can do something, just because you have the power to do something, doesn't mean that you're right. The abuse and punishment that Jesus suffered ultimately was legal under Roman law. And we know through Scripture that Jesus was innocent. That Jesus didn't do the things he was accused of doing. Yet under Roman law, it was just to treat him this way. And so there's this question. It was legal. Does legal mean moral? And as followers of Jesus, we have to ask ourselves that question.
Just because something is legal doesn't make it moral. Does what's in our laws, does what's in our society, is what is legal, does that match up with what God says and with God's word? And we have to ask ourselves that question. And what's God, what is his heart? What is his intent? What is God's purpose? And so just because I'm strong enough or powerful enough, you know, when Cormac was little, if I wanted to hurt him, I could. It doesn't make it right, even though I had the power. So when God gives us power, when God gives us position, when God gives us voice, we have to think about how do we use that. Um, You guys may have heard there was an Olympic coach who killed himself this week. He spent years abusing gymnasts, decades, abusing these young girls because he had power and he had authority over them. And rather than face the law, he killed himself because he knew what was coming. I hate to tell him, he's in front of a much bigger judge now (laughs) that he's going to have to answer to. He didn't escape anything. Might doesn't equal right. Just because that coach had the power and had the authority and had the ability to treat these young girls the way he wanted to didn't make it right. Continuing on. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So he asked them, aren't you one of the disciples too? Are you? He denied it. Peter denied it, saying, I am not. I love this. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? One would assume that Peter's actions in the garden made him somewhat noticeable. (laughs) Grabbing a sword, cutting a man's ear off, Jesus grabs the ear, miraculously heals it. Like, that probably got a little bit of attention, one would assume. Especially by a relative of the man whose ear Peter had forcibly removed. And yet, here's Peter. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't there. I'm not one of those Jesus people. Peter was totally caught and called out. Yet Peter was still trying to deny that he was a follower of Jesus and was there. Again, it's that fight-or-flight response. It's so very active in our brother here, Peter. We often do things out of emotion that later we regret. I know I've done it. I'm sure one or two of you might have in your life. You know, we do things out of emotion, and later on we're like, oh, stupid. You know, because it's just that response. Again, Peter denied it. We finish in verse 27. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. 
See, earlier on, Jesus had told Peter, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. Peter did that. He denied Jesus three times. And then he heard that rooster crow. I want you to close your eyes for a minute and imagine something with me. I want you to imagine something with me. Imagine you're Peter. And you're there warming yourself by this fire with these soldiers and these temple servants, and you're warming yourself. And they're asking you if you know Jesus. And you're saying, no, I don't know him. I, I've, I've never heard of the man. I'm, I'm not one of those disciples. And you do this three times. And then suddenly you realize it's morning, that the night has passed, this horrible night where you were in the garden and your, your Lord and Savior was taken away. And he's, he's, as you're standing here being judged and accused, it's been a really long night, and you're probably tired, and you're running on adrenaline and fear. And then suddenly you hear the rooster crow. And to your mind, you remember the words of Jesus when he said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And you denied it, and you said, never, Lord. And yet you did. And you hear the rooster, and what do you feel? I imagine Peter felt shame. He felt regret, fear, guilt. I bet he felt like he wanted to throw up. Have you ever been so emotionally distraught that you have a physiological reaction to it and you feel like you just want to vomit? I've been there. Have you ever been caught doing something wrong? Ever? I think most of us probably can answer yes to that. Yet God's love is so immense and so amazing and so incredible that he still chose Peter. And he still followed through and did what he said he would do. And that Peter was the very beginning of the church and the followers of Jesus and, and what, what Jesus was establishing for the world. There's this quote. He's one of my favorite um, fantasy authors. He's an incredible writer. Uh, his name's Patrick Rothfuss. He's got this huge brown beard. Which is, I'm a little envious of, if I'm being honest, but my, my wife would not, she would not allow it. She would not like it. But he has this great quote from his book, The Slow Regard of Silent Things. And it's this Anything, anyone, excuse me, can love a thing because. That's as easy as putting a penny in your pocket. But to love something despite, to know the flaws and love them too, that is rare and pure and perfect. See, Jesus loves us, knowing our brokenness, knowing our flaws, knowing that how broken we are down to the core of our being. And yet God 
Jesus still chooses us. He still loves us. He still wants us. And it's this rare, pure, perfect, agape love that God has for each and every one of you and has for me. He loves us despite our flaws, despite our brokenness. And it's an incredible love. One final thought about our brother Peter, the disciple. Chris and I, some years ago, had the um, blessing. Her parents took us on a trip, and we went to Rome and Italy, and we got to go to the Vatican. And in the Vatican, in a place called St. Peter's Basilica, is where the bones of St. Peter lie. So it's, it's just this weird, surreal thing. Like, I read about Peter, and I read about the story of Peter and the man Peter, and the things, you know, he walked with Jesus, and, and you know, he denied him, and all these things. And then here I am in Italy, in Rome, standing in front of this tomb where Peter is. His bones, anyway. Peter's with Jesus. But, you know, where his, where his remains are. And it was this weird, like, you know, people have talked about how uh, they get to go to the Holy Land and they get to, like, kind of see, you know, oh, here's the Sea of Galilee. Oh, here's where Jesus fed the 5,000, which I want to do someday. Um, and, like, just the connections that are made. And so I was standing here in the middle of the Vatican, and, and we were looking at Peter's tomb. And, I, like, it was this surreal moment of realizing that when Jesus way back when they were alive a couple thousand years ago. He told Peter, on you I will build my church. That was both literal and figurative. Because <laughs> here we are at the Vatican, here's the bones of Peter, and this big building built up around it. <laughs> and, and so it was, it was both. And, and even with all of Peter's flaws and all of the things Peter did and, and, and the ways that Peter didn't quite hit the mark, God still built his church on Peter. Here's what I get from this. In God's kingdom, our mistakes do not define us. Our flaws do not define us. When God says in the word that he can redeem and wants to redeem all things, we need to believe that. We need to have hope for that. We need to allow God to redeem and to change and to make us new. And like Peter, how easy would it have been for Peter, right, to say, okay, done. How easy would that have been? Right? He denied Jesus in front of everyone. He heard the rooster crow. Jesus prophesied that he would deny him. How easy would it have been for Peter to then say, okay, that's it, I'm out. I'm done. I'm obviously not worthy. I broke Jesus' trust. I did it publicly in front of the chief priest's followers. The other disciples, I'm sure, heard about it. How easy would it have been for Peter to just say, well, I guess I failed. 
I guess God can't use me anymore. I guess I'm done. I guess I'm of no value to God's kingdom because I screwed up so badly. And yet he didn't. He didn't quit. He went back. He had courage. He took up his cross once more and followed Jesus. Can we be like Peter, whether you've wrestled with addiction, whether you've wrestled with lying, whether you've wrestled with character failures, whether, you know, what, whatever it might be, whatever the thing is that you feel like might disqualify you from serving God, if you can give it to him, and I, I, I bet you everything that Peter, when, like, 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 I'm, like the forgiveness he had to have felt in his heart. Like, can you, like, I just imagine Peter in that moment, like, like the, the guilt and the shame and the, and the like, oh God, what have I done? Jesus, what have I done? What kind of a man am I? It had to be going through Peter's head. But he didn't allow that failure to define him. And on Peter, God's church was built. On this failed, broken person that was Peter. The same Peter who Jesus once said, Satan, get behind me. <laughs> over and over, Peter acted out of emotion and, and did stupid things. And God still wanted him. God still chose him. God still used him. And he can do the same thing for you. Can I get the worship team to come back up, please? We're going to have a little more worship, and then um, we're going to have a time of prayer. So if anything we've talked about this morning um, has kind of struck you or God's working on something in you, just know that we'll have a time that, um, where we'll pray for you. If you guys could please stand. Thank you. Take that When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain move. And as I start that again, guys. When all I see is the battle, you see the victory. 
And all I see is the mountain. You see a mountain moved. And as I walk through the shadows, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now when I am safe with you. I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Let's do that first verse again. And all I see is the battle. You see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see the mountain move. And as I walk through the shadows, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now when I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. Is the cross, God? You see the empty tomb. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Almighty fortress. You go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. 
Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadow, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. When I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies I'll raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief I'll raise a hallelujah my weapon is a melody I'll raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah. I will watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. I raise a hallelujah. Fear you've lost your hold on me. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive.
is sing a little louder louder than the unbelief sing a little louder my weapon is a melody sing a little louder heaven comes to fight for me sing a little louder in the presence of my enemies sing a little louder louder than the unbelief sing a little louder Sing a little louder. Heaven comes to fight for me. Sing a little louder. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder. You're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. I'm gonna sing. In the middle of the storm, louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. We thank you, Lord, that we can raise a hallelujah. In the, in the middle of the storms, you're there that you are always there. And that no matter what people do to us, that you are the faithful one. And no matter our circumstances, you are the trustworthy one. You are the faithful one. We thank you, Father God. So I was kind of praying, asking the Lord um, how we're supposed to kind of move forward with... Um, what God's been working on our hearts. And I, he, I, there's a couple things specifically that I felt like, um, just I, I felt an impression from the Lord. Um, what I'd like to do is just, um, if everybody could kind of just close your eyes and um, take a seat and close your eyes. Um, as, as I was describing some of the negative emotions that Peter was going through. Um, I felt like God was saying there was a couple of you who that, that resonated with you, that feeling of fear, the feeling of shame, the feeling of guilt, um, feelings of inadequacy, um, feeling like you are disqualified, feeling like you are not worthy, of being um, part of God's plan and God's kingdom, whether that came from a person, whether that came from the enemy, whether that came from just something inside of yourself that God is working on healing, where, whatever the source of that is. Um, this morning, I want to just speak against that. We're going to do a little... Um, of spiritual warfare here and speak against that. So, Lord Jesus, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we come against fear. In the name of Jesus, we come against guilt. In the name of Jesus, we come against shame. In the name of Jesus, we come against inadequacy. In the name of Jesus, we come against feeling 
that we are too broken for God to use. That the enemy or people have somehow broken us down to the point where God can't use us. Lord, I speak against that in the name of Jesus Christ. That, Lord, you are the one who calls us. You are the one who lifts us up. You are the one who who makes us whole. You are the one who redeems us. You are the one who heals us. You are the one who makes us worthy. It is true that in and of ourselves, in our flesh, not one of us is worthy. But Jesus, through you, you make us worthy. You make us whole. You make us right. Lord, it even says in Scripture that through you, you make us good. That, Lord, you didn't choose us because we were already good, but that you transform us, that you make us new creations in Christ Jesus. Lord, you love us enough to take us as we are, and you love us too much to leave us that way. So, Lord, I ask for each and every one of us who are wrestling with some of those same things that Peter did, Lord God. Lord, would you heal us? Would you change us? Would you redeem us? Lord, would you make us whole? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I speak healing. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I speak redemption. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I I speak wholeness. In the name of Jesus, I speak purity. In the name of Jesus, I speak forgiveness. Forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. Any of us, any one of us who asks God for forgiveness, it is there for you. Lord Jesus, would you forgive us? Lord, would you forgive us in those places where we missed it? like Peter did. And Lord, would you plant deep in our hearts and in our minds that just like Jesus did for Peter, that our mistakes, our sin, our brokenness do not define us. Because Lord, you're still, if we submit ourselves to you, If we give ourselves wholly over to you, God, you will still use us to advance your kingdom. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. And Lord, thank you for your hope. I speak hope over everyone here, everyone watching online. I speak hope over you in the name of Jesus. Right now, Even as you're sitting here in this moment, Holy Spirit, would you rest on each and every one of us and put that, I don't know, I saw that, I I got this picture, I got this kind of a cool picture that I felt like God was showing me. Um, It was like, I don't know, it was was really, it was kind of different, but like I, I saw, I just kind of saw you guys sitting here, those of you who are sitting here in front of me, and I saw like, it wasn't quite dust, but it was like, 
I don't know, it was like these particulates were like settling on you. And that it was like particulates of hope. Like that almost like ash or like snow or I don't know. It's just, it was all these like small little particles were like filtering down from above and, and, and resting on you guys. And that um, God's hope, God wants to just uh, kind of douse you. I'm trying to think of a word and it's not coming to me, but that hope would just rest on you. And that all these little individual particles of hope, you know how uh, snow, a single uh, snowflake, doesn't seem like a whole lot. But when a whole bunch of them get together, there's so much that there's avalanches and they close the pass because there's so many of those individual snowflakes. And it's kind of the idea I saw in my head was like, there are all these individual little particles of hope that were drifting down, but they were accumulating and resting on us. Um, So Lord, I ask, um, would you cover us, Lord God, with your hope? As we go through this week, as we walk out our lives, God. Lord, can we place our hope in you? Is it safe there, God? Amen. Amen. Uh, thank you, guys. Bless you. I'm sorry, I was going to do some individual prayer, and then I felt like God switched routes on me. So uh, bless you guys. Take care. Have a good week.